This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, United are the VAR guinea pigs. And there's more questions than answers for Gary Bowyer's Dundee. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street, episode 193. Uh, I'm sure listeners can already tell that I'm not Tom Duthie. It's uh, George Cran here in the hot seat. Uh, we've sent Tom away to the naughty step to think about his behaviour from last week. Um, well, that's not completely true. He's actually just got far better and more exciting things to do than hang about with the three of us. But certainly not in the naughty step. Certainly gearing up for another talk about VAR would be Mr. Alan Temple. Hello. Yeah, I, I think we should have... Tam should have actually saved his VAR rant for this week because <laughs> I think I, I think I might be coming around his way of thinking. And of course, the, the bear is here to keep us right. Yeah, oh, yeah hello everyone. VAR is going to be a, a recurring theme, I think, George, going forward on the podcast. I, I can probably bring a, a wee bit of VAR talk to the Dundee section, which we'll do second this week. We'll fire straight into the big talking point. Surely the Dundee section should be VAR free just so we can get away from it. The maybe, the Queen's Park maybe could have done with it and <laughs> Dom Thomas probably could have done with it and not get sent off but that's not Dundee's problem. But anyway, this week one place to start have we already broken VAR at Scottish football? Yeah, it's an embarrassing situation for the Scottish FA this one. I was with a, a few of my kind of media colleagues at a, a briefing event uh, down in uh, their Bailiston headquarters ahead of this launch and Crawford Allen specifically outlined the situation of a referee not being shown all of the relevant angles before making a decision and then subsequent angles um, proving that decision to be wrong describing that as the worst case scenario and something they were desperate to avoid. Even if it takes a wee bit longer, the referee needs to see every possible angle. And it appears that John Beaton wasn't afforded that for Tony Watt's tackle. John Beaton looked straight at it, thought it wasn't a foul, but then was called over by VAR David Monroe, who had a package together that certainly suggested that it was a red card defence. Now, I think there's a... I mean... It, listeners don't you know scream at your mobile devices when I say this but I feel a wee bit sorry for John Beaton I think he's been really sold a pup it's very easy to vilify the referee and John Beaton's not always the most popular of officials in, in, in Scottish football however every decision John Beaton made I think with the information he was presented with is probably decisions I would have made. He waved play on just as I would have probably waved on uh, play on in real time he then gets told Listen, John, go over to your VAR monitor. We want to show you the replay of the footage. He's then presented with a package of replays that, having seen them replayed on sports scene, I'm thinking to myself, well, that looks a red. That looks an absolute nailed on red. And punters can say, well, he should have had the confidence to stick to his original decision. He was looking straight at it. How many people can say they have the unshakable self-belief <laughs> in something they decide in a split second? Well, how many that, times does it happen? I've, yeah. I, I, I always, we, we just know what's happening now, watching the Champions League this week. As soon as the ref goes to the, the monitor, the decision's getting changed. 100%. And so he has that 
you know, mind warm of, well, I only saw it in split second. These guys have seen it a million times and they think it's a poss possible red card offence. So at that point, I'm thinking, I would have went with John Bean. I, I would have shown him the red card as well. And it seems to be only in the aftermath that these additional angles have, have cast doubt on the situation. And personally, if I'm John Beaton, I'm furious with how this has all played out because... He, as the on-field referee and the man who does technically have the final say in these things, is is getting the, the vilification. And I think George makes a fantastic point there. I think there's also an element of conditioning to all this. John Beaton is an experienced referee with VAR. He's, he knows how this works. However, he has generally done it and in fact, he's always done it in continental competitions because we didn't have it here. However, he's worked with VAR in European competition and they're experienced for, they know how this works, they're good at this stuff. So when he's called over to the monitor in a Europa League game or whatever it may be, a World Cup qualifier, he goes over kind of already knowing, listen, they know their stuff. If they say it's a red, it's probably a red. That conditioning is, is probably hard to shake. Mm. So the right decision has been come to eventually. I think the wrong person is being blamed for the debacle to this point. And... All in all, it's going to be a real steep learning curve. There's no point complaining about it. There's no point saying, just get it all in the bin, because that's not what's happening. But this can't happen again. This has to be a test case for how not to do it. See if it takes an extra 20 seconds, so be it. Mm. This can't happen again. And it's just a shame that Dundee United had to be that test case, because 50 minutes without a striker that had scored three goals in the previous six games... Is something they can't get back. That rescinded red card's no use to them now. So um, that's unfortunate for, for United. Mm. Well, the, they obviously won their appeal, but Bear, are you surprised that the the Beaks, or the, what did you call them, the Bayliston ba ba Blazers? Yeah. I quite like that. <laughs> My favourite amateur basketball team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, are you surprised that they over they didn't back the ref? I, th I thought it would it was a stick on, they would just stick with the ref, even well, if they knew. Well, I think justice was done. Yeah, I, I think, think so when, as well. When I, when I first saw the, the challenge, I thought it was just ending off. When I saw the first replay in slow motion, I thought that Tony Watt did try to pull out the challenge. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, that was the case. I don't think Sean Goss did did Tony Watt or himself really any favours um, it didn't look per particularly sore maybe mm. it was maybe it, I might be wrong in that but it didn't look as, as bad as, as he made it out to be and I think that influenced the, the decision as well and Alan you're you're the start man I mean how many times uh, maybe you're not aware of this but how many times is the referee going over to the monitor and stuck with his no. original decision. Oh, I'd never see it. No, it would be it would be completely anecdotal. But as as someone like like you guys and like probably everyone listening to this, who watches a lot of these games, I think I think Michael Oliver might have done yeah, it right. once yeah, in yeah, England. You're right. He did. Yeah. yeah, but it takes a ballsy official. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. And I, I would I would suggest that if you're playing against one of the old firm two and you were to stick with your original decision, it goes against them you would get the book thrown at you for all sorts of things. Mm. So, you know, the referee's word is final, but if that's going to be the case, if 99.9% .9 of the time, you know, the referee changes his mind, why doesn't VAR just call it and just say, yeah. it's a sending off? I mean, what... And take it out of the referee's hands altogether. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, it, what it does absolutely mean is because the referees have that conditioning of thinking VAR will probably be right, they need to make sure they are right. Mm. You know, the people in that VAR booth, they can't, throw it over to the referee with 
wishy-washy footage that they think might be a red. Do you mm. know what? See if you don't bang on 100% know that that's a red card. Trust your referee on the pitch. Mm. Don't throw it back to him because that referee will go over to the monitor thinking, well, they know something I don't. So yeah. make sure you do before you call the referee over because otherwise you're putting that referee in an impossible position because Bear's absolutely right. Imagine... John Beaton had stuck by his original decision and subsequently we'd all agreed that he was wrong to do that. Then the discussion is, well, why has he done that? Mm. That's, mm, dodd, you know, that's, that's something no right there. Suddenly you're questioning all sorts of things. Yeah. So, And that's VR that, VAR that have put John Beaton in that position. And as I say, there'll not be a great deal of sympathy floating about for John Beaton, I wouldn't have thought. But I, I have a bit for him, to be perfectly honest. I mm. think he's been put in an impossible yeah. situation. And what about, I mean, you, you, you talk about they got to the right decision in the end, this yellow card doesn't help Dundee United as, and as much as, as Alan says, they had to play with their, their informed striker for almost an hour of that game. And what's Tony Watt's reward? <laughs> he gets to play against Celtic at Parkhead this, this Saturday. A 15 kilometre run without getting a touch of the ball. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? I, I, did, uh, I did think that a little bit and I said that to someone and they did point out that we're probably more in the realms of wanting them for Kilmarnock at home <laughs> than Celtic away. <laughs> Genuinely, wouldn't I, I, Tony might play against Celtic, but it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play yeah. against Celtic. It certainly wouldn't surprise me if maybe guys like Stephen Fletcher, Dylan Levitt, who'd carry a wee knee knock, guys like that don't play like best will in the world. And I would love it if they did. Dundee United aren't winning at Celtic. Whereas the game against Kamarnock in midweek, huge. So I think mm. that'll be what they wanted Tony for, certainly. They, they obviously didn't have him for, as you mentioned, for a big chunk of that Mullerwall game. But how were United in terms of their overall performance? Really good first 15 minutes. Um, in fact, the first 10 minutes, four corners in the first 10 minutes. Ryan Edwards' header just wide. Stephen Fletcher, fantastic scissor kick just wide. And you thought to yourself, yeah, they're ticking along very, very nicely. Then... I mean, rinse and repeat for what we've said on previous weeks. Ball goes out wide from a quick free kick. Dundee United are sleeping. Again, like I did for anyone that maybe follows me on Twitter or whatever, like I did for the the St Mirren's one or the previous week, sort of freeze-framing the lack of shape on a turnover. If you want to do it yourselves, look at the highlights of Motherwell's winning goal and freeze-frame when that quick free kick's taken. Look at the shape. Look at the... <laughs> People just need to be, they need to be so much sharper um, in terms of getting back into position and, and reshaping and getting ready for deliveries because the ball goes out wide. Uh, former United man Blair Spittle whips in a cracking ball. Solholm um, isn't tracked properly by Tony Watt. Tony's a, not a defender, maybe understandable. Liam Smith's ball watching. Edwards is busy picking up Van Veen. It's just poor. Um, and Birigiti gets a hand to it. Probably should, I mean, I'd actually be interested before we kind of touch on Dundee United response. I felt a wee bit sorry for Birigate. I think he maybe should have saved that if he gets a hand to it. But at the same time, when you're blaming a goalkeeper for a header seven yards out, yeah. I do sometimes think to myself, God, who would be a goalkeeper? You know, see if that header goes straight in. I don't think anyone's blaming the goalkeeper, but no, he gets a yeah. hand on it. And now all of a sudden he's the villain again. And it's just... Well, I, 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 always, I always think, well, when I'm playing that I always think that if the other team gets a shot uh -huh. on goal that's the, the, the defence has failed to do its job in yeah. the first place but I think he's and not the goal is the 35 next. yards yeah you know it's but well that's the goal is Union yeah, yeah. well the I mean, of the Liam Fox got, got, the, got a spot on it but I got too much of a, a hand on it yeah you know and 
if you could go just a flick onto it and it goes over the bar. And unfortunately for him, he gets too much of a hand, but it drops behind him. If he gets a hand on it and it drops in front of him and gets punted away, the punters are saying, what a save that was. Yep. <laughs> what a save. But you're right, you know, it made him look sort of the villain of the piece when, you know, he, he probably could have done done a bit better. But, you know, there, there are other aspects to that goal. And as Alan says, it starts yeah. way back at the quick free kick, which is... It's quite staggering. It's certainly the position that Dun United are in. I'm sure they've worked on it in training. Don't get caught short. Don't get caught. Every every time the play stops, make sure that everybody's back in the right position, certainly to get themselves in shape so that you can defend the situation. And it looks like that, that's not happened. And again, we spoke about this on a previous podcast. It's got to be communication along the line. Hmm. There's a communication breakdown or not enough communication early doors. There's not somebody stamping their authority in that back line, whether it's the goalkeeper whether it's the centre half in front of them, everybody's got to communicate. I've seen right backs talking right along the line, talking to centre halves to left backs, get them back and get them in, get them in place. And it's just not happening. And until United do that, you know, they're going to keep losing losing poor goals. And in a Premier League that's so tight, when you go, go behind and again, it's very, very difficult to get yourself back on, mm. on track. In simplistic terms, the thing that worries me a little is Dundee United are a team that loses cheap goals and never look like scoring cheap goals. Yeah. That, that, that concerns me slightly see everything in between they're a tidy football mm. team mm-hmm. they're, they're a tidy football team and quite nice to watch nice patterns nice triangles but when that breaks down you always think the opposition might score if they get in the final third yeah. I watched Dundee United knock it about in the final third quite a bit and I don't see where the goal's coming from a lot of the time so that concerns me but, but they were they were okay after the break down to 10 men they showed a bit of heart a bit of guts Ian Harks came on and actually made a really good impact not always the fans most popular player um, not had a great season so far but after a period out of the team he's come in and he actually looks like a midfielder who can start deep and break the lines which is useful if you're looking to create chances and only a good Liam Kelly save stopped him from scoring so there were positive signs but the bottom line is the lost the league game at home to Motherwell. Um, so, and they're only off bottom of league because Ross County then went and lost at home to yeah, Hearts. It's, so. it's worth pointing out as well that we said last week as well that Motherwell were a side who were going in the, in the wrong direction for themselves. Yeah. And United have lost to them and that, that's a real concern. But they'd lost four in a row, I think, yeah. Motherwell going into the game. And actually, what you're saying, Alan, about United being quite decent between the, between the boxes. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to Stevie Hamill's post-match, interview and he's talking about uh, being a nice a good footballing team but one that doesn't score goals and get results he was talking about his own team but I actually thought he was talking about Dundee United yeah. I thought it was a bit harsh but <laughs> that would but have been that would have hit the nail on the head yeah if he had been talking about United then it would have been harsh but true um, yeah. it's yeah there's a lot of decent things in that side but Ultimately, if there's things going wrong in both boxes, and I think it's the defensive box that's more of an issue um, because they have scored the odd goal, um, then that will be problematic. Um, as I say, I'm not in panic territory yet. I'm still of a mind that once it does click in both penalty areas, um, which I know Liam Fox is working incredibly hard to make happen, then they should be good enough to get out of trouble. But it's this period where they are still trying to find that, that they mm. can't afford to be cut adrift and, you know, during that period because Kilmarnock have had consistency since the beginning of the season. You fancy them to pick up points. St. Johnston are streaking away. They're barely in the conversation anymore. Livingston, barely in the conversation anymore. So you don't want to be cut adrift just with you and Ross County. 
Because then, even if you finish above Ross County, you're still in a relegation playoff. Yeah. So, it, Dundee United need to make sure they're not cut, cut adrift as a bottom two, because I do think Ross County will stay down there. I don't think they're a particularly good side. No, I, I, I agree. Um, talking about defence, defence is going to have to be on top, or on top form, certainly for, for Saturday, going into this Celtic game, obviously, memories of the last time they played Celtic. Or nightmares from the last time they played Celtic. Yeah, we were discussing this off air, weren't we? Yeah, that. I mean, what the what constitutes a, a, a good day for United? It's about the performance, not the result. And in my view, I think, and I'd probably be saying that if I was any team in Scotland going to Celtic Park, <laughs> almost including Rangers. Although Rangers fans wouldn't like to hear that. It's I I, I just think Celtic as a domestic operation, are streets ahead of any other team in the league. The technical quality they have, the intensity with which they play, the way that... Um, it's hard to... I'm, I'm doing hand movements here, but you know the way that the moment <laughs> the ball stops, we're talking about getting back into shape defensively, they don't stop. The ball goes down and they're away again. You know, out for a throw and throw, go again. And mm -hmm. it's just that intensity and the concentration that requires from the opposite. I just... I don't think anyone in Scotland's good enough to keep track of it, unless they have a real, real off day, which they did in Paisley earlier this season. So I think in saying all that, unless Celtic have a massive off day and Dundee United play their absolute optimum, I don't think Dundee United will get anything from the game. However, what they need to do is make sure it's not a collapse. The fans that are travelling there, the fans that watch the highlights, want to see effort, shape, hunger, desire. Even if they go down 3-0, it can't be humiliating. You can't be seen to down tools because there's not only the the performance aspect of it, but there's the optics of it. That that nine nil does loom large, and if there's any echoes of that complete dereliction of duty, then the fans will be furious. The mm. the the fans want to see a response from what was a humiliating afternoon earlier this season. Um, that probably won't bring a result. That's just the reality of the gulf that we're dealing with here. But it needs to be, you know, there needs to be heart, there needs to be guile, there needs to be organisation. Um, so if they can get that, um, then I think the fans will reluctantly accept a defeat and move on to Wednesday for what will be a real a real six-pointer. But yeah, I think every team, and honestly, no manager will admit it, but is, probably every team in the Premiership now is looking at a trip to Celtic Park and they've kind of got it scored off as yeah. a, let's do our best, but let's we're not expecting anything. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, Celtic are going into the game on the back of a, a thumping from Real Madrid, but, I mean, I kind of watched some of that game. Celtic could quite easily score three goals mm -hmm. at the Bernabeu during the week, which tells I, you they're going to create chances. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, Alan's right. Celtic are one team, when, you, when I'm talking about organisation, it's very difficult with a team that actually moves the ball so quickly, yeah. gets the ball in play so quickly, does everything quickly. Yeah. Because they've no te technically they've got fantastic players. So they can do it quickly and everybody seems to be on their toes and that makes it very difficult to get yourself into shape for organisation. But what United can do is, is try to get themselves in some sort of defensive shape that's going to make it as difficult as possible. You know, reduce the space that is in between the posts. Make sure that if Celtic are going to get in, they're going to have to work really hard for it. They're going to have to make their, their goals aren't going to be simple tappings yeah. across the box, but Celtic get a lot of goals like that. And they got a lot of that. Tannadice, but that also, what they have to do, you know, they have to be brave on the ball going forward. When they are in possession, they must not give the ball away cheaply. And United have had success, relative success in the past at Celtic Park. 
because they've done that, because they've had guys like, like some Ian Harks and, and Dylan Levitt, ball carriers who could take them up the park and then not just give the ball away, try and get it into a situation where you can find it. If there's only one man up the park, you need to give that one man. Yeah. We spoke about it earlier. If it's Tony Watt, you've got to give him a chance of getting his foot on the ball and maybe getting you a free kick and getting up the park. Mm. And same in the wide areas. If he plays, if it's three at the back, probably be a five. But those two wing-backs have got to make sure they're going and supporting guys like if it is Harks and Levitt and making themselves available and trying. The way you stop the opposition scoring is by keeping the ball. If you've got the ball, the opposition can't score. And the longer you've got the ball, <laughs> the less likely the opposition are going to get goals. But you know, it is a tall order. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But it's one that you go and, you know, if you're a player, surely going and playing in front of 50,000 fans is, is a, you know, should be an incentive for you to go and do well. But the one thing I don't want is, is, as Alan said, is a, is a complete collapse and that would be disastrous for morale in, in the camp. Yeah, and then we've already kind of talked about the the goalie situation a bit. Do you think, obviously, whoever's in goals is going to have to be, is yeah. going to be busy. I, think, <laughs> I mean, do you, th- do you think he'll change it? I'm really Again. surprised. I was really, really surprised. I was surprised, surprised myself. He did that. But without having watched uh, the United games closely or to keep it really closely, I thought, uh, Carl Johan Eriksson had done relatively well he seemed to have settled down mm-hmm. I think that was the thing he seemed to have he'd, he'd had a shaky start he'd been out of the team he'd come back in there had been a, you know keepers are going to make mistakes especially when you're playing in a team who are making multiple mistakes across the back you're going to get you know a lot to do and sometimes things don't go for you but he looked to me as though he was he was beginning to show signs of confidence and actually playing the game again you know and that's what he mm-hmm. needs as a, as a goalkeeper so for I was a big call for Liam Fox to do that. And unfortunately, the finger's been pointed at yeah. Barigiti for, for the goal against Motherwell. Now, so I think he's got to stick with Barigiti. I mean, he's, I mean, at this point in time, he's shown faith in him. Surely he's not just going to give him one game yeah. and say that's it. Surely he's got to give him yeah. a run of games to say, right, you've got the gloves, go and make make them yours. And even if even if it is, you know, they, they, they do take two or three on Saturday, hopefully, you know, we're, we're all hoping it's not going to be like that. But the, you know, hopefully he can have a good game. He's going to have plenty to do. That's for that's for sure. But it was a major call changing his goalkeeper. I was very surprised at that. There's also such a big thing for goalkeepers, and Beryl know this. That you know the understanding with your defenders. Oh, yeah. The only mm. that only builds up over time. That that requires four, five, six, seven first team games before you realise how defenders move, how much you need to talk, how all these little things that are are, are paramount to being a goalkeeper. They kind of need to start all over again with with Birigiti. When Ericsson, you know, speaking to us quite recently, actually spoke about how he was just starting to feel that way with the defenders. Yeah. You know, he was starting to build that understanding, and it was helping him improve his form. Birigiti almost has to come in now and build that relationship and understanding all over again, which he might be capable of doing. And his pedigree would suggest he can't be a bad goalkeeper. You know, you don't have the kind of reasonable career that he's had if you're a bad goalkeeper but it's I also think it's a bit ambitious to expect him to come in and play at his top form until he gets to know his defenders which almost has to start all over again so that's the element that maybe surprised me a a little bit but I guess there's also an element of them not wanting to write off Mark Birigiti he's a you know he's a reasonably lucrative investment for them you know they paid money to bring him over here he's on a decent salary so I guess there's maybe that feeling of well, we need to give this guy another chance because mm-hmm. whether, you know, Liam Fox talks about having two number ones, let's be blunt about it. Mark Bidigate, he was brought here as Dundee United's first choice goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it doesn't mean that he was guaranteed to be that forever, but that's what he was. So he's clearly going to get another chance to prove that he's good enough to do that. But I, I just I, I worry about the settling in period again, <laughs> you know, yeah. having to do it all over again. Do you think uh, there might be a change in front of him? Do you think Ross Graham might get his chance to come? Possibly, back? possibly. I think I think there's a wee element of nothing to lose about this Celtic game. Not entirely, because if you get absolutely ripped asunder, then that could be quite devastating for morale. But in terms of the, it wouldn't be a horror show if you were to lose the match, that maybe gives it a wee, wee element of um, being a free hit. And it's... I mean, it's, it's not something we've written in the paper, but hey-ho, let's reward the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> United played a, a bounce game against St Johnston this week, uh, 1-3-2, and Ross Graham scored in that. And um, uh, by all accounts, I think he's showing up relatively well in training. So if you were going to bring him in, you know that Celtic are going to have you penned in. There might be deliveries, although Celtic aren't exactly a wide and lob it in the box team. But I feel like, I feel like you need to get Ross Graham in at some point because... Scott McMahon and Liam Smith aren't centre-backs and mm. teams know that now. I did a thing earlier this week. 41% of uh, Motherwell's attacks were from the right flank, 40% from the left flank. Barely played through the middle. They knew how to get at United. You get it wide, you get it in the box and you have you make sure you have more than one tall player in the box because Dundee United <laughs> only have one tall centre-back. So that's, I mean, the secret's out. Scottish football's a village. So... Um, I think we need to find a way where Dundee United integrate Ross Graham back into into the team, build his confidence again. We know he can play in a back three. He did it well mm. last season. We know he's imposing. We know he's a threat in the other box, which is something we yeah. can't overlook. When was the last time Dundee United scored from a free kick or a corner? You know, as, as a cross into the box. Need more threats in the box. Ross Graham does all that. And whether he'll play, I don't know. I know he'll be in contention. Whether he'll play, I don't know. I would like to see him play. I would, I would put him in my starting lineup in, in place of Scott McMahon. And that's not a, uh, it's not a, a reflection of Scott McMahon being poor or anything. I just think in terms of stature and comfort in the position, I would like to see Ross Graham back in that left-sided centre-back role. It's probably a fair chance that Celtic go with Jack and Marcus as well instead of Kyogo because Kyogo played midweek. Yeah, or started midweek anyway. So I, I think that's a distinct possibility, and Celtic will be very aware of United's uh, issues, but. We're kind of we're closing in on uh, the strangest part of this. What will be a very strange season is the mid-season break. Mm, uh, with yeah. the World Cup, there's only what next Saturday, and then we're yep. or you're stopped for six weeks. I, I get to keep watching football. So. <laughs> um, Bear, I mean, can United use the, that big? There's, there's a lot of talk about teams all over all over the world using it as a kind of mid-season pre-season. Do you think this might be a good thing for United? If whatever situation they're in after the next three games, they can get everyone together and get on the training pitch and get, uh, well, get started. I don't think it'll be a good thing if they're, if they're sitting staring at themselves at the bottom of the league. That's yeah. But there's, uh, there's time to yeah, properly yeah, work on stuff. Th there will be that. I mean, personally, I think it's a bad thing for Scottish football in general that we're having a six-week hiatus right in the middle of the season. I don't like it. It's a bad know, thing I, for the wor I, world I, football, I would say. Uh, but, it's, yeah. it's, it's bad for, obviously, us in newspapers. We're going to fill the papers. But we've also Dundee got, stuff. Yeah, I know, I know that. I know that, George. <laughs> no pressure, George. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, but um, it, it's a big gap to, to fill, a big hole. And I, I worry about fans. Fans are you know, creatures of habit. Mm. They go along to football every Saturday from... 
you know, August through to the end of April, maybe sometimes longer if your team's been successful. Um, so to take six weeks out, people get out of that habit, you know, and are they all going to go back again? Is it, you know, they could sort of rebrand it, maybe use it as a sort of second start to the season. But in terms of Dundee United, you'd like to think that, you know, they will be able to do a, a wee bit of work, but it's obviously going to be with the, the, the same personnel. I mean, the, the, there isn't any, going to be any yeah. new faces because the transfer window isn't open. So in that respect, it's going to be interesting as well because suddenly you're going to be back into it again and managers will then have, you've been working with the same group of players maybe in a, you know, in a training environment for six weeks and suddenly you add two or three new guys in. It'd been ideal if you could have had your transfer window now and got these guys in and got yeah. them integrated during this six-week period. I think it's going to be very strange, George, for everyone. Yeah. But the worst thing possible, I think it'd be a massive lift if Dundee United can, can keep themselves above Ross County. That, that, I think that's that would be mm-hmm. you know, great for just, just for themselves, for the, for the morale at the club. And you know, every time that they put the Premier League table in over that six-week period, it's not Dundee United that are propping the table up. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one for everyone. And uh, Alan, do, do you think Liam Fox might see that as a opportunity for him to properly get stuck into the team? Obviously, he, came, he, was, he was there, but taking over as full-time manager was in the middle of the season and at the middle of a really bad spell for United. Yeah, 100%. Liam Fox is a coach's coach. He likes being on the training ground. He likes getting ideas over to these players. He likes the... You know the hours of work that goes into building a team, and there's been a lot of midweek games and things like that that have interrupted yeah. that. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there's been a lot of relying upon momentum and familiarity. Whereas I think he'll enjoy getting his ideas across. There'll be a an element of a break as well. I think the players, which listen, if I was a Dundee United supporter, I'd be screaming, going, "A break! Are you kidding? <laughs> a break!" Especially if they're bottom of the league. I get that. However, switch off exactly. Yeah. Players. Whether you, whether you believe it or not, they feel it. They do not like losing football matches. They don't like being bottom of the league. It weighs on your mind. So, listen, a couple of weeks away, switch off, spend time with the family, come back, and then, as George calls it, mini pre-season. Start again. Emphasise that there'll be 66 points to play for and Dundee United have good players. So, yeah, there'll be a chance to rebuild, recharge, go again, and regardless of what happens... Dundee United won't be cut adrift. They won't be relegated by the World Cup break. However, I totally agree. The morale thing of, you know, trying to build any positivity when you are bottom of the league is a is a test. This weekend's big. Ross County have a winnable game against St Mirren. Dundee United go to Celtic Park. Not mm. great. But then Ross County have away games against Celtic and Hibs. Whereas, whereas Dundee United play Kilmarnock in midweek. Yeah. So... You would hope, as I say, Saturday will be big. Keep an eye on what's happening in Dingwall. But if they can still be level on nine points at the bottom going into Wednesday, that, you know, that you would fancy hopefully Dundee United to pick up points where maybe Ross County couldn't at Easter Road and mm-hmm. um, at Celtic Park. And I'd say, again, going with Alan, um, Ross County are not the side they were last season. Yeah. When I was watching, Dundee were in a similar situation last season with Ross County for a, for a bit. And... You could see in the performances. I looked County, at the teams you? that yeah. suddenly became really concerned yeah. because you saw a Ross County team who had real threat in the t- at the top end of the, the pitch. Now, they were losing goals, but you saw they were capable of scoring quite a few goals if they were given the opportunity, and that's what they did. And as a result, they picked up points on a regular basis from 
Christmas period onwards and almost made it into the top six, but yeah. it was just a well, They've always scored six goals they are, they are this not, season. They are not that side this yeah. season. I could not agree more. I watched Dundee United up there and Dundee United were miles the better team, particularly in the second half. I think it's become apparent that Malky unearthed two absolute gems in Hungbo and Reagan Charles Cook last season and without them... I mean, replay this when Dundee United have finished bottom and Ross County stay up. But without those two players, this county side is bang average for me. Well, that's a cheery note to, to end on. It's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day on the, on the United stuff and get over to the, the cheery stuff on the other side of the street. Yeah, so from United's uh, relegation battle to Dundee's mid-table battle in, in the championship, it's Looking at the championship table, it's not where we want to see Dundee bear, is it? But close, as the championship always is. But they've got Partick Thistle on Saturday. How are you feeling for that one? I'm looking forward to that. I always enjoy games at Fir Hill because the atmosphere, there may only be three or 4,000 at the game, but it is a good atmosphere. It's you know, mm. it's a it's a good place. I always enjoy games there. Um, I know one end's open, but it always gives me the feel of a traditional football ground. That, you know, um, so yeah, I'm expecting goals because that's what you're getting with Dundee at this point in time at both ends of the park. And Thistle, I've got to say, as a Dundee supporter, we're, we're playing a team who've lost their last four games and shipped 15 goals in the process. So what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly yeah. go what wrong? What has happened at Thistle? It's I, bizarre, isn't it's it? Just, it's just that, you know, it's that league. Again, I don't think Thistle are, are, are that bad. I do think that clubs, just, you are seeing clubs are, are limited with squad depth. Yeah. I think when, when a couple of key men go out for certain teams, they don't have replacements. I think Dundee have the strongest hand in that aspect. You've seen it happen at Inverness. Um, we've seen it at Thistle. But really, you've got a blanket to throw over all these teams. Mm. The big question for me is, can teams like uh, Queen's Park keep it going? Can Air United keep it going? Um over the course and distance, we'll just have to wait and see, George. Um, but, you know, Dundee have to look after themselves first yeah. and foremost. I don't think, and I've spoken to my friends about this, Dundee haven't strung any sort of consistent form together since the season started. I think through the League Cup, you know, you, when Gary Boyer was putting the site together, you saw, you saw shades of decent stuff, but it's hard to judge that because it was effectively pre-season mm. and teams use it as that as well and lots of players were used but there was a consistency to the way they played. But, you know, right from the start, I mean, you, you see that game against Air United, who are now, uh, they've, they've jumped a wee bit, they've, they've gone three points clear at the top. Um, they came to Dens and Dundee won that game comfortably. And it yeah. would be no surprise if it had been four or five that day. But Dundee then put in a performance against Morton, which just belied that performance against Air United. And, you know, and you just wonder... You really hope that Dundee can get a bit, string something together, and I think it comes all boils down to consistency of selection. Gary Boyer has been chopping and changing, and I've been critical of him for that. But there's definitely something in the squad with illness, and there has, yeah. been, there has been definitely been a few injuries as well. And you know, we're not privy to that. He doesn't tell. I know you like to think you get everything from him, but he's not going to tell you everything, George. <laughs> no, no, no. So we're we're seeing the team lining up on a Saturday, and going, why is Paul McGowan not playing? Why is Sean? Yeah. Why is Sean Burnley coming back? You know. But there's reasons for that. He's the manager. He's picking the team that is maybe the, the players who are fit, the players who are performing best for him on the training ground from Monday to Friday. But it's important that he starts picking up results. And Dundee, 
lost to Partick Thistle on the first day of the season. That's the only game I think they really deserved to lose yeah. this season because they were, they were, I don't know what happened that day, whether it was just the intensity of it all that got to them, but they were terrible and Thistle, Thistle romped into a three-goal lead. Mm. To be fair, I think Dunny might have actually got a point if it had gone on for another 10 minutes because the way they came back, but they didn't really deserve anything from the game. But the fact that Thistle beat them at Dens, Dundee have to go to Fur Hill and get a result. There's, there's nothing sure than that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the lineup again. I know. It's I mean, I mean, some of my friends are calling it a tombola team, George. <laughs> you know, what, what, come, what names come out of the hat? Um, you could look at the. You were at Queen's Park, George. I mean, yeah. what, what did you think of that? What did you think of that? I didn't, th- I didn't think they were great, uh, but they created enough chances to win the game. Um, which tells me if suddenly they put a couple of, couple of the chances away in a game, they'll probably be all right. Um, Queen's Park were all right. The two goals Dundee conceded were poor. The first one, especially, the, the Ryan Sweeney basically cleared it off the, the boy's leg and it looked over the goalkeeper. It was just, yeah, wasn't good. And then Dundee got themselves a, a, a lucky equaliser. Callum Ferry, had, I don't know, he seems to have some big problem playing against Dundee. He's looked really shaky in a couple of games against Dundee. Against is, he his old team. The, is he still on the payroll? <laughs> <laughs> He's sad. I do, well... Um, he won't want to see that one again anyway when he came for a, a poor Paul McMullen free kick into the box and it just went straight over his head basically and then Dundee go and concede like a minute later uh, it, it just kind of summed up the season so far but um, had Ossie not grabbed that late equaliser do you feel like that there's a few fans have kind of turned a bit in terms of pressure on the manager and stuff, do you think that would have changed if, if Dundee had, had come away yeah. with a 2-1 defeat in that well, game? Well, it does. And, and you know, it, it's, the situation in the league is Dundee are looking mid-table, but, you know, they're only what's yeah. it, with five points off the top. It's very, very tight. Things can change with a couple of results, but Dundee d- don't seem capable of getting <laughs> a couple of back-to-back results. Certainly. So, yeah, he is under pressure because Dundee should be at the top of the league. You're a Dundee fan. That's where Dundee should be. I would imagine... Uh, uh, they do have the biggest budget. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I think the big area you could and and we could Gary Boyer could probably defend himself on is he is playing with a lot of players that weren't his. Yeah, they are not his players. He's only he's only been afforded two signings. There are a few loan signings in there, but effectively he's, he's working with somebody else's squad now. I still think that squad is well capable of mm-hmm. doing something in that league, but it's difficult for the manager if he's trying to impose his own style, his own philosophy, his own way of playing the game and he's, he's got to do with somebody else's players, it's difficult and you've sort of got, there's an undercurrent in some of the things he said to you George, you can see that, that he's he would have liked to have brought oh, a few more players I don't think it's an undercurrent no, anymore he would have liked to have brought in a few, but he's not been yeah. allowed to do that but sometimes you've just got to hold your hand and say well this is what I've got if you give Billy Dodds that score, if you give Ian McCall that score, I'm sure they would take a few of them, yeah. well, if you know what on them I'll take a few of them Yeah, I think you know playing, playing devil's advocate I think that's bang on because I think any coach or manager worth their salt would fancy winning that league with that group of players. Mm. I think most managers in that division would look at the players that lined up for Dundee's reserves in midweek and say, I'd fancy challenging for the title with a few of those players. So while I do absolutely understand that every manager wants to build a team in his own image and wants his own players to do that, I don't know why I call it a cop-out, but I just sometimes I find the, the, the complaints about working with someone else's players a little bit um, it falls on kind of deaf ears for me because I think some of them are very, very good players for a championship standard. I, I mean, I, I covered a lot of Wraith Rovers and Dunfermline in the championship last season and 
I don't think it's a great division, and I think the players that Dundee have on their books should be capable of winning that division. So, yeah, I, while I do totally understand the complaints and, and respect them, I, I, they, they fall on deaf ears to me a wee bit sometimes. <laughs> he's, he's been talking about January quite a lot, actually, mm. uh, in the last couple of weeks and how important I mean, that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Do you think that's t- too early to be kind of already well, looking I, ahead? I think there's lots and lots of football to be ah. played before then, George, and we're going to be covering a lot of it because there's going to be a, a premiership break, so we'll be covering <laughs> everything, reserve games included. <clears throat> I think... <clears throat> He's, he's, he's very keen to get players in but uh, even in January uh, uh, the club's suddenly going to say well here's, here's, a, here's a war chest he has to get players he's out he's got to get players yeah. in now, well, it's all boiled down to whether these players move and, and what will happen is unfortunately these players won't go on the 1st of January they will assess their options and it could be mid-January it could be the last week in January it could be the last day of the transfer mm. window yep. and suddenly we're into February and you're bringing in boys and there's another four games down the line so yeah, Alan's right. You've got to work, work with what you've got, and they've got to do better with what they've got. I was encouraged to see Ossia get a goal because when he came on against the Morton, he looked like he, he hadn't hadn't played for months. I, I, he looked like somebody had won a raffle. Yeah, I, I, no. I thought he just didn't look like a footballer <laughs> at all. It's really harsh. I'm just wondering if he did look a lot better. Well, on Friday. Have, I mean, he has been training. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, there's no there's nothing like match fitness being up to match yeah. speed. So maybe he's getting there as goal. It was a typical striker's goal. It wasn't the easiest take. It was the ball was bouncing quite high, but he was in there. He was along the line. He read it like a striker, the ball coming across the box, and he's put it in. Now, I'm not caring, you know, yeah. sort of how bad he looks on the park. If he's going to score, we can we can get him in the team. Well, there was you know? def- definite promising signs from him. He missed a chance earlier. Um, basically got on his bike, and there was a good through ball, and he, he beat the defender to yeah. the ball, no problem. Took a nice touch. Looked composed with his finish, but he hit the post mm-hmm. and put it wide. He should have scored, but maybe that's a sharpness thing. But at that point, you thought, "Oh, there's Something. you could see you yeah. could see what Boyer's seen yeah. in him, which he hadn't shown before." And then, obviously, as you say, yeah, it can be too quick. Fans and yeah, and include myself in that. Too quick to, to write people off sometimes, but giving them a proper opportunity to see what they can do. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can do something tomorrow uh, on on Saturday at Firhill, but. Ian McCall knows that he needs a result in that game yeah. as well. Now he's under a wee bit of pressure himself for the, the performances they've they've had. Um, so it's set up for a good game, and as I say, I think it's good value for money. Uh, it's a good chance you'll get you'll get goals in that game, mm. you know. So yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll live up to the billing. And they they obviously came into that first game of the season with big big. Uh, well, Brian Graham kind of said it was like a score settle with the, the email yeah. stuff. Do you think they've maybe used that up and maybe Dundee can look at how how they kind of celebrated after that? Yeah, I was they surprised use it Brian Graham brought that up, to be yeah. perfectly honest. I thought, yeah. you know, I thought it was... Came across a bit, a bit petty, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how many of the players actually take any notice of that for Dundee whatsoever. I think that'll just but go... But can Dundee use it, do you think? G themselves up and let's no, get I one over I, these boys. I, I don't think so, George. I think that's, that's by the by, and I think that's gone from Dundee. More importantly for Dundee is just going out and you know the motivation is there they're in sixth place in the table that's the motivation is mm. to I mean uh, the win they'll jump above party that's the first motivation but they'll also hopefully put themselves a bit closer to you know a few of the team teams above them because what they don't want to do is be leaving for Hall empty handed and Aiden United have picked up another three mm. points and it's, you start going well, you know, there's still a bit to go, but you've still got a bit of catching up to do now. You know, you start putting your real pressure on yourself in games. So, 
Um, no, I'd, in terms of sort of that, George, I'd, I don't think it'll play a part whatsoever. Well, that's the thing. It does, Alan. It does look like Ayr are starting to. Well, they've shown across the whole season they've been the best team so far. Uh, they're playing Morton on Saturday, which is mm. interesting. Top, top two, which I don't <laughs> think anyone would have predicted yeah. at the start of the season. Um, it's vital that Dundee get something or a win just to whoever wins that game. Say Dundee get beat, and there's a result in that game. There's, there's still five points off the top, but there'd be five point at least five points off two teams. Yeah, Morton or something else. I was convinced them and Hamilton were going to be battling out at the yeah. bottom to stay in the division. So, fifty percent right on that one. But goodness me, Morton have been the shock troops, and Dougie Emery's doing a, a fabulous job. But uh, to your point on Air United, yeah, absolutely up there on merit. I mean, we touched on it when Dundee played Air, but you did a great, a great piece kind of outlining Air's shoot-on-site policy, and they are a very likeable team. They're direct, they're attacking, they get their shots away. They've got a fabulous striker um, who is in form and looks to be an absolute gem. Um, scored, that, scored more goals than our broth this season. There you go, there yeah. you go. And there's, there's the difference that... I mean, touching on a broth, they're, they're a great example. The difference a good nine makes yeah. in this division is uh, staggering. It, re it really is if you've got somebody that knows where the net is, particularly if they're big, strong, imposing, fast. You can, you can pin a team around them, around a player like that. And yeah, that's well, what... Arbroath had Joel Newbley last season for, yeah. for a point. Jack Hamilton at the yeah. end of the season. 100%. Yeah. So that's what Air United have got. And uh, Lee Bullen's got them playing in a, a really engaging, lively, direct way. It's not reinventing football, but it's playing a type of football that I would pay to watch. Um, so fascinating to see if they've got the legs to go the distance. January will be big for them too. Um, and you know, I'd, I know their sporting director a wee bit, Graham Matthew, from when I used to cover Hibs. He did, a, you know, I think an underrated job at Hibs uh, with, a, you know, guys like Kevin Nisbet and things, you know, brought through some good players there. So, I think they've got a good setup, and I wouldn't expect them to fall away. I, mm. I think that would be a dangerous thing for Dundee to assume. See, an assumption that listen, it'll eventually click for Dundee, and Air United will no stick stick around up there. That would be a yeah, that's a, that's a dangerous thing to assume because they've got some good players, they've got a good structure behind the scenes, a good manager, and if they can hold on to Akinyemi, then that's maybe going to be the defining thing in their title chase. Because I know. Uh, Gary Boyer threw a couple of grenades about the prospect of him maybe going in January. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, that, that was some proper mind games ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that was to happen, maybe I'll change my mind. If they can hold on to him, then yeah, I wouldn't be assuming that Air are going to fall away anytime soon. So do not lose track of them at this stage. Yeah. And talking about a, a number nine there, Zach Robinson had picked up this sickness bug and, and I was going to say did his business on the park, but it sounds like he's done something else. It <laughs> uh, was sick on the pitch. Yeah. Which How does that work on an astral tough pitch? I was thinking that it must be, oh, oh, it must be worse. Would sweep it. Oh, goodness uh, me. I hope, I hope, yeah, I hope <laughs> nobody did a slight tackle on it. Anyway. Um, it was strange that on Friday there was sickness all over the place because doing the post-match stuff just down by the side of the pitch in front of the stand... There was a big pile of sick there as well, and apparently, oh it'd be, apparently, it'd been one of the stewards. So it was, I, I don't no, know what was going on. You know, Pete, this is a podcast. People are able to listen to it with a dinner and all sorts. Just, I mean, I'm just uh, showing, I'm just telling people the glamour is the, the oh. Scottish football writing business that you have to sidestep a big pile of book when you try to yeah. See, that's, interview that's Gary why, Boyer. That's why they should outlaw these plastic pictures, George. <laughs> 
<laughs> and good old grassy beautiful <laughs> Govan trample it in. It was so good. fine, yeah. <laughs> but um, getting on to the, the actual serious point I was going to make before I got sidetracked by Puke, um, it was a. I, I felt there was a, a big difference in the, the Dundee setup with Robinson not being there. They were pretty direct with Robinson and Rudden. They were playing it long to the striker, and Robinson was that target man and he was keeping it he was holding it up well his touch is good he's strong but if he's not there on Saturday I mean what what would you like to see them how would you like to see them go about it if I can get well, that question out that'll be that'll be interesting um, because that's a change away from the way they played in, in the past they've always tried from the start of the season they've tried to build from mm. the back they were 4-4-2 and they went direct yeah I think, yeah. Um, I think the problem you've, you've got is if Robinson isn't playing, who's capable, exactly. who's capable of, you know, really keeping hold of that ball up there? That's that would be my concern. You know, if you're just going to go direct in, in that respect, um, key again for Dundee will be Paul McMullen. You know, you touched on it, George. Yeah. He's he's got something which frightens the life out of every team in that league. Is lightning pace. If he could add a few other things to his game he probably wouldn't be playing for Dundee Allen. Let's be honest about 100%. it because he goes past players for fun. His final ball sometimes lets him down, but, you know, it's real pace, energy, um, creates chances. He's the one man who creates. You have a look back, and you've, you've done this in the past, George, you've looked at him, the amount of assists he's, he brings to Dundee, whether it's from dead ball situations or whether it's from him getting, getting wide and getting balls into the box. And he could frighten the life out of Thistle, especially we're getting into a period now where... I think it's going to be, uh, we've had a lot of rain this week. Um, it looks like it's going to be, again on Saturday, we're going to get a bit of rain, certainly. So Firhill is one of these pitches that does get a bit a bit boggy at mm. times, and he skips across the surface. He's a guy, the defenders, he's running at defenders, and defenders are, are trying to turn on that surface, he'll be gone. You know, so for me, rather than going long, get the ball to Paul McMullen. That's, that's certainly an area they've got to, they've got to, look at and then get the balls in the box for, for Zach Rodden or, or Derek Ossie or, or hopefully Zach Robinson is fit you know um, and also they've got to, got to stop leaking goals they can't keep giving away dove goals you, know, yeah. you spoke you spoke about the one at Queen's Park and where Sweeney kicks off a defender and nah, it, goes, it was a Dundee goal to concede wasn't it you know it, it loops yeah. over you know we've spoken about they get themselves back on level terms and suddenly they're 2-1 down They've got to get that. They've got to start, you know, keeping it much, much tighter. And I'm not I, I, obviously French wasn't playing, but he was in some ill. Yeah. So he's been back though. He was back on Monday. I would expect so. he's been done his best player this season, so he will come right back into the team. But it's how they set up. Hmm. It's how they set up. But what's he going to do? Is he going to? I'm I'm hoping. I mean, he doesn't try to shoehorn Cami Karen at left back. If he's going to play, if he's going to play Ashcroft and Sweeney, you know. As centre halves and French at right back, it's got to be Marshall at left back if he's fit. And, yeah. You know, or does he change it and go three at the back, which we've not seen a lot of, and that gives him the option to play care and and uh, you know Marshall in the wing back roles. But that might sort of um, that might sort of cut into what McMullen wants to do yeah. over on that right side if you've got care mm. too far up the park as well. So, a lot of questions on on the. You know, it, it's the lineup that you, you worry about. You know, it's, it's what's it going to be? How many changes are you going to make for this week? Um, but whatever changes they make, they know what they've got to do. They've got to go and get something at Firhill and hopefully get a win. And it, we're, we're looking at Alan's looked at. You know, Dundee sixth place. Dundee could drop if they get a, if things go against them. They could drop to seventh. 
yeah. you know the way things are Wraith Rovers have put and then they've got Wraith next week well Wraith yeah. Rovers have put on it put on it a run you know so they've got to get that sort of what we've not seen from Dundee and I'd, I'd like I'm hoping that we'll see it at some point is they get them to get their noses in front in this league and they say everybody else right see if you can try and catch us now but they're, they're a bit off that yet but here it only takes a few weeks and a few results to get yourself into that position to do that Unless you see what everybody else is capable of. But there's nobody really taking on at this moment. But the worry is, you, you see, can Air United keep it going? Can Morton keep it going? But there's a few other teams in there. It just takes one of them to suddenly mm-hmm. hit, hit her on a forum mm-hmm. and suddenly a gap's opened up and there's only one, one automatic promotion play. So you, you've got to make sure that it's you that hits her on a forum at the right time. Maybe I'm buying into the hype from our, our colleague Craig, but I wonder if Wraith Rovers are that team right now. They're, you know, from, from reading his stuff and the little tweaks that Ian Murray's made and the fact that under a new management team, they are now starting to click, gets what, you know, play to a level that they are capable of. Once they've got a bit of momentum going, you know, I covered a lot of Wraith last season. They've got some really good players. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, they've got some very talented footballers and I wouldn't discount them to mount a little charge because especially if you look at the players they've got in the final third, they've got goals in that team. Um, so, You've got a guy like Louis, Louis Vaughan yeah, just coming back now as well. You know, it's they're, they're a talented bunch, and I think it's a really fascinating double header that Dundee have got. Uh, you know, I'd expect them to, you know, you would hope beat Hamilton the, the following week, but first and foremost, these two games I think will be really interesting and really illustrative of whether Dundee can kick on or whether we are really in a bit of bother at the yeah. moment. Well, that's the, I think these two are, are the crunch games, uh, as you say, for. Um, well, I called. I wrote my column this week, and I said Saturday's game was probably the biggest game of the season for both Dundee and Partick. Just the way mm-hmm. Partick have been going, just completely taken everyone by surprise. The way their defence has kind of fallen apart. Dundee have to make the most of that and pile that pressure on early. I, I would say, but we've seen. We're talking about consistency and go, players keep talking about going on runs and stuff. We've seen Morton have done that suddenly they're second mm-hmm. Wraith did that and they've come up behind everyone else I mean it's doesn't feel like Dundee are too far away from doing it did it does it bear or it, the, I think I don't the, think they the touch on it just need times, to click yeah. certain games they touch on it they look as though they're, they're getting there and for some reason they don't they don't kick on from it now whether you know they have had injury injury problems whether it's a manager has tweaked the team at certain times but they can't seem, to, as I say, they can't seem to string two decent performances together. At this stage of the season, it's, it's results that matter. So performances can wait. Get out there, get your three mm-hmm. points. You know, see what it takes you. Do that again next week. And, and results breed confidence in this league. You know, so they, they need to start doing that. But I'm just, you're, we're all waiting to see what the team is on Saturday. I mean, I, I take it, if you're looking at the Dundee team, uh, I mean, a goalkeeping situation, Adam Legsden's is still a mile off. What do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't Well, know he was on the bench there. on Friday. So, right, okay. So he could come back in. Okay. I don't think Lawler's done any, anything particularly no, wrong. I don't, he's done okay. I, I don't think so either. I think he's, he's done all right. Um, we've, we've spoken about, we've spoken about the, the, the back four. He's got five players to squeeze into the back four, which is a difficult one. He could chuck Jordan McGee in as well. Yeah, if you wanted to. Yeah, you could. You could do. I think John McGee's done it. Done. He's done okay. He's done fine. Um, um, you know, I think uh, for me, Mulligan I, comes back as well. So yeah, that's another one. For me, as a player, I think uh, Joe Grayson. I think 
has done it all right, but has he done enough to keep himself in that team mm. as often as he has? I think he needs to be stronger myself. You so. know, uh, yeah. So yeah, there's there's so many things and so many players. As we, as we've said before, his biggest problem is he's got that many players, and he's figuring out what the best eleven mm-hmm. is. And up top, what's the best? What's the best formula? How do how do we do? Do we go with Zach Robinson up and have Josh Morgan's coming back, him running off one side and maybe McMullen running off the other side? You got Luke McCowan as well. Luke McCowan, yeah. Well, again, I've, I've seen Luke and I think Luke's a, a terrific player, but again, he, he 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 comes in and does some good stuff for one game and then the next yeah. game he, he's. You know, he's he's not as effective. He's very quiet. So the players can look at that as well. They're own for him. You know, they've got to say, uh, you know, who's who's really been Dundee's most consistent players? Tyler French at the back, yeah, consistent. Probably Paul McMahon up there as well. He's, he comes on, but the rest of them, their form levels are are, are, are up and down and up mm. and down. You know, so the, the the and that's reflected in the team's performances as well. It's, it's up yeah. and down and up and down. So they need a few more players playing at a higher consistent level a few more of them getting 7 out of 10 every week if they get 5 or 6 of their players getting 7 out of 10 you'll see the consistency coming in results well hopefully we're talking about an up on Saturday and we actually have a victory to talk about for maybe even both teams next week I don't know but <laughs> I think we'll focus on Dundee for that hope, <laughs> shall we? Oh, well next week they'll have played Kelly by <laughs> that's then. true that's true so, yes yeah. absolutely uh, but f- I would say that we'll see how the result goes, but the the kind of silver lining for Dundee fans is we don't have to talk about VAR in the championship, so we'll, I'll hang on to that. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice or go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>